Not so, at all, Maya. Please hey. don't feel free that um, you don't have to at all be camera ready today. Feel free to listen. And welcome to the podcast. Yeah, because we're going to do a podcast. Hi, <laughs> welcome to this session of Untaught Fieldwork. Um, the great uh, encounter every month. We, you know, like a couple of times a month, we meet one of the contributors of this exhibition that we are doing together with Jen. And um, so, um, as you know, Lisbon uh, in September is coming soon, and we are asking all the contributors to uh, to tell us their plans for the future and also to introduce to these works that they've been doing for for the previous uh, virtual uh, exhibition and also we're here to think about how it could look in a, in a publication together and uh, to discuss about the work and uh, it's a great opportunity for Antart and all the members to to discuss to meet um, also to to get to meet for lots of us, we don't know each other, so it's a very good opportunity for the community. And uh, today we are very, very happy to welcome Gabriele de Seta. So I think Jen could uh, do a short introduction because you have the pleasure to know uh, Gabriele more than I do. Uh, you have to unmute yourself, otherwise the concept of the podcast doesn't work. <laughs> you know, that's, <laughs> I was, I was, I was abusing the opportunity to be muted briefly to uh, prepare myself, um, as we hadn't. But well, I can tell a story, which is that um, I, I, I really only had the the pleasure of meeting and hearing about Gabriela's work um, through a mutual acquaintance um, who isn't able to be here today. Um, but who um, we, so through our kind of more regional um, area of interest or the intersection between Southeast Asia uh, anthropology and art practice, I guess. Um, uh, uh, so Jamie Coates is a, a researcher and an anthropologist and um, based now in Sheffield. And I've done a few exhibitions with him around um, Japan and art and they did a, a really interesting panel. I don't know if it was only last summer, Gabriela, but it was, Maybe two summers so. ago now. Um, anyway, um, that's how I first came across Gabriela's work. Um, Gabriela is a media anthropologist. I think that's how you frame yourself, Gabriela. Yeah. Although we've had so. we've had some super interesting uh, discussions around what is the role of, of or meth and methodologies um, within anthropology and how that positions you in relation to contemporary art practice yeah, yeah. Um, particularly around installation and that kind of thing at the moment Gabriela is a postdoc um, a postdoctoral researcher in Bergen in Norway yeah. and his research work worked across multiple sites but including China um, and Taiwan I believe that's another kind of point of convergence with both worked I've worked much more briefly in in, in Taipei and Gabriella is interested in experimental music scenes in internet art and in collaborative um, intersections between anthropology and art which is kind of the um, the modus operandi of this um, this network anthropology in the arts and so we're really happy to have you uh, to talk about your work listening slash accidents today Gabriela okay that's my intro thank you <laughs> beautiful well done well done <laughs> should I um how how is this structured um are you how long can yes. I talk basically you are the star of the session this is okay. the structure this is we vote around you and then we can speak uh, if you allow us um so basically you can give us an input now um and uh if you want to share your screen or your sound uh, you have to make him the so. co-host if you've done that already yeah. Maxim. Uh, I haven't but yeah because I cannot do it. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah if, if you make him the co-host and we we envisaged that the these sort of first um introductions would be around 10 10 minutes um, max um just so that we can then have conversation sometimes these sessions for those of you that are um coming here for the first time we we some like every other time we have a, a another speaker as well in this case um i know that some of you um here are um are, have, have a background and an interest in, in sound art and in listening. I'm thinking of Maya in particular, sorry to drag you into this Maya, um, and others of you will use sound in different ways because you work with film and so on. So 10 minutes or so around the work and the direction of the work, um, but you know that already. And then we'll open up to questions, super informal, and we'll be finished by three o'clock um, or four o'clock for most of you. Um, because I we feel that these keeping these sessions short is is one of the attractions <laughs> of doing more zooming. That's all I want to say. Um, pass you over to Gabrielle unless Max, you want to say anything further? Are we good to go? Yeah, I still uh, I still cannot share the screen though wow. for some reason. You're I not co-hosting yet. Says the host that disabled. Oh yeah, make co-host. Okay, now now it works. Now, now it works. Great. Um, yes, so you should be seeing my slide. Yeah, it's your beautiful presentation. Thank you. Well, this you made this poster, so. Yeah, I know, that's why <laughs> <laughs> our designers have made this poster. Um, I wanted to share my, uh, <clears throat> my backyard at the moment. So if you wondered, uh, it just snowed quite a bit in, in Bergen. So I, I just put my recorder in the snow. Um, because I was curious about how it would sound like. I don't know if you can hear the sound actually, but does it work? You need headphones for that, right? Yeah, <clears throat> but it was just a short. It's beautiful. Um, short recording to introduce the, what I do. But um, Jen kindly introduced me already, so I don't need to, uh, to say more. Let me hide the video controls. Um, but yes, I'm a, I'm a postdoctoral researcher and my the project I'm currently working on here at uh, the University of Bergen is called uh, Machine Vision in Everyday Life. So it's quite, uh, um, it's still related to ethnographic methods and media, but we are working on clearly more visual stuff than sound. So sound uh, is uh, for the moment back to the hobby side of my practice. Um, so I, I do, um, I still do uh, works with sound and release them as records and do work for exhibition, but occasionally write about it. Uh, and if you're curious, I have a, I have most of my things that are related to field recording on uh, Bandcamp, where they're free to download and to listen to. So that is the that is where I'm coming from. And um, I, I'll briefly this is a longer uh, presentation, but I'll skip some other slides and I'll just introduce the the work. So the work I did for for Antart and that I will develop for the for the exhibition is based on um, when <clears throat> the time when when I lived in Taiwan. Uh, between 2016 and 19, during which I was a postdoctoral fellow at Academia Sinica. And then I worked as a curator for an exhibition uh, called Sensefield, uh, which was probably the first exhibition uh, it ran a couple of times. 
it's probably the first exhibition uh, in Taiwan to share and show some works more uh, on the anthropological and experimental side of contemporary art. And, uh, and then I was an artist in residence at the Taipei Artist Village, during which I started developing uh, this work. And um, the work I did in Taiwan, uh, the one the work around sound that I did was quite uh, focused and centered around um, all kind of um, sound, I would say sound generation and, and sharing in everyday life. So here you can see a picture here of a typical uh, Taipei music hardware device store um, that I love to visit and, and talk to the owners and just see what, what kinds of tape recorders and radios and mp3 players they had for sale, mostly imported. And um, what I always wanted to do uh, throughout these three years was to kind of find a way of combining more experimental ethnographic work with the aesthetics and repertoires of contemporary art. And uh, one of the first works I did uh, was this uh, called Nangang Nangang, which was a mixed media installation, um, kind of mixing photographs and different kinds of playback devices to introduce people um, to sound. And, and my idea was always to try to take the white cube gallery setting out of sound art and introduce a bit more interaction and hands-on uh, yeah, interactivity with the devices that people might be familiar with and rediscover sound this way. So then I was, uh, was very lucky to be selected for, uh, to be an artist in residence at the Taipei Artist Village. And um, I wanted to develop this, this body of work uh, into something a bit more um, structured. And this was a three month long residency um, during which I started thinking a bit more about this idea of uh, models of listening um, and uh, challenging the concept of soundscape, which I think it's, it's, you're pretty familiar with. And um, doing this through uh, an attention to the technological mediation of sound. So this was both a research and creation residency. So <clears throat> my plan was to write an essay and a book chapter and to do a couple of artworks for the gallery show. And um, I'm gonna skip about some theory stuff because we can talk about it later. But the, um, the resulting, um, main, the main concept that resulted from the research was this idea of contrasting the idea of directed listening, which we most often think of as something that is attentive, listening to an environment, being immersed in, in a song, soundscape, um, and the listening that is often naturalistic, uh, and it's about representing something back. So you listen, you record to an environment, and you want to represent how it was and tr transmit to other people uh, what it was. And my idea was to actually try to uh, figure out how to work with uh, a more accidental listening that was um, not attentive, but disruptive if possible. And it was situational rather than being ecological. So more attentive to a specific situations and uh, immersive. So instead of immersing into it, you would be taken out of the situation by, by this kind of listening. And, uh, and also anti-naturalistic and non-representational. So uh, a listening that did not strive to represent a place or, or a time or a, an environment. This, was, this is the main theoretical idea behind the work, um, which led me to move, to try to move the, 
practice of field recording away from the idea of soundscape towards this idea of listening accidents, of accidents that happen uh, to the action of listening and that kind of disrupted. Um, and uh, if you're interested in the theoretical background to this, I have the couple of slides before that we can go back to. Um, but in practice, this meant to conduct uh, ethnographically informed uh, fieldwork practices. So all kinds of uh, uh, taking all kinds of picture and sketching and trying to figure out who used what kind of devices and uh, which sounds were connected to them and how they were integrated in the soundscape. And uh, with the materials I collected, which included video and audio and sketches and just ideas and observations, um, I presented uh, my work uh, in this exhibition in 2019 at the Taipei Artist Village, uh, which was fittingly called Nonverbal Communication. It was a show with other two artists. And we were all working towards kind of uh, documentary practices that challenged uh, the idea of verbal communication or representation. And this was the, the way I installed the work uh, that time. So this was version one, let's say. Um, which was a two-channel two projection um, on a corner of um, multiple videos, uh, a collage of uh, multiple videos of this kind of accidental sounds that I found uh, throughout Taipei. Uh, actually, not just Taipei, just Taiwan. And um, the work was also, in, also included these uh, portable uh, sound devices like MP3, MP3 players and radios and uh, Buddha chanting machines that were hanging from the ceiling and reproducing other sounds that I recorded, uh, also quite in a, in a quite sparse and random way. Uh, and also loudspeakers uh, placed in the exhibition area, also with sounds that I recorded. And then uh, the, the work also included this short text that I, I shared and it's, it's available online, but it's a kind of a a manifesto or just a very brief theoretical explanation of the idea of uh, listening accidents and of a po the possibility of an accidental sound art that would be uh, closely tied to the availability of consumer reproduction devices and uh, a specific mode of listening that is triggered by these assemblages of devices and technologies in everyday life. So all in all, this was the installation with the video, the, the audio devices hanging from the ceiling, uh, the loudspeaker and the text. And this was very much constrained by the um, funding availability and, and space spaces in which we were working with the other artists. So it was also as all the time, all the time a negotiation with the, with the curators and, um, and the space. But this was uh, pretty much how my version one worked uh, looked like and now the work is available on the on the antarct website as just the two main videos so this is the web-based version that people have been uh, watching for the past uh, few months i think um and um and as a fallout of this process i also uh, wrote the chapter that i was planning to write as part of the residency which is now available on in the Bloomsbury Handbook of the Anthropology of Sound. Um, and this is a longer uh, writing, piece of writing about the idea of uh, the model. So the, the model of listening 
And in this chapter, I kind of outline five different models of listening that shape how listening is practiced. And, uh, and I conclude that just like listening itself, auditory models are multiple and uh, need to be taken in their own terms. And um, so just to uh, conclude with some ideas for the 2021 version of this work, uh, which is still called Listening Accidents. Um, what, I, what I wanted to do was kind of expand on some of the parts of the work while others are kind of uh, already uh, completed and they, they will just change how they're shown. So for the video component, which is the most uh, stable uh, part of the work, uh, I'm thinking of keeping a similar screening um, uh, setting, a framework. So it, it is a two-channel video with uh, each video as a double stereo audio. So um, I would like to have it in a semi-enclosed place. So either the same at a corner of two walls or with screens uh, cutting off some parts of the space because I like this idea of having the, the visitors be a little bit surrounded by the large videos of these sound devices. And uh, it will be, uh, as it was before, looping in a random way. So it's, it's never the same uh, throughout the day because it always changes. And uh, I think one important part of the work is that it's made to be a bit disruptive and to kind of uh, leak out of, of its own uh, enclosed space and to maybe disturb or, or attract attention from outside uh, where it is installed. It's not, it's not a very quiet um, or harmonious um, piece of work. Um, so this is the video part. Um, as for the audio components, which was um, what I, I feel I did not develop enough uh, in the first iteration, mostly for uh, time constraints and, and uh, availability of uh, space and, and, and equipment. So I would like to, to augment the part uh, of the devices that are hanging from the ceiling of the space, um, because I think it's quite nice to have as many as possible points from which sounds occasionally uh, uh, are occasionally emitted, especially for the visitors who walk around the area. Um, and it's a better way to experience this idea of accidental listenings. And so I will develop, um, I will create more sound tracks because I, of course, I accumulated way more sounds than I actually used in the first uh, iteration. And so what I, what I want to develop is specifically this part, so the, the audio component. Uh, and if possible, I, I would like to, to use more and more different kinds of, uh, of devices. So of course, loudspeakers, MP3 players, radios, um, besides the one that I already have, maybe I, I could try to find more and buy more to expand on this. And lastly, the text, textual component, which um, is quite central. Um, I think that after having published the book chapter um, I could easily expand on the original text and rework it into something a bit longer and a bit more comprehensive. That could still be a little bit of a manifesto or, or, or a short explanatory essay, but I could also augment it with some images and, and drawings and sketchings from the, from the research process. And um, 
my my idea would be that the the audience could also just basically take a copy and bring it away as a, a sort of gift from this from having attended this uh, to this um, installation. And so the the main idea would be to create out of this work uh, a, a sound situation in which the audience could actually take the text and read it if they wanted. Um, inside the installation itself, possibly worth being uh, constantly uh, taken out of it from the uh, listening accidents around them. So this is the kind of a roadmap of what I, want, I would like to uh, work on as I expand on this uh, work. And um, is this the last slide? Yes, so I have the references. But um, I don't know how much I talked. It's probably more than 10 minutes. But no, um, yeah. So this is the 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 what I had about the work. Um, so yeah, let me know what you think. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. I'll let Max um, facilitate the discussion. Oh or yeah, we can do it together today because there's no um the there's no toddler to interrupt for the next oh. little while. <laughs> <laughs> For a change. So yeah, so thank you so much, Gabriella. Um, oh, thank you. Um, it was really interesting to see um, not just the development of it, but the thinking around, um, just since it was your last point, I suppose, um, the possibilities of how a, a, you, you would hope or expect um, an audience to engage with that play between the sound, given what you're trying to do and given your original effort to take it out of more of the gallery context. Um, I've got several questions, but I think I'd rather open up to other people first, if, if we have some. Um, so let's open the floor. Does anybody have any um, initial responses or um, questions brewing for Gabriella? Please just um, raise your hand. Uh, there's only... Um, oh, so Claire's hand I saw come up first. Um, put it in the chat, raise your hand or, or let one of us know. But um, Claire was quick. So Claire. Hello. Hi, Gabriel. Thank you very much for sharing your work. Um, I'm very interested in that topic also because through my dance experience, I learned to open the ears and realize that even in the silence, there, there are a lot of uh, different sounds. Uh, would you mind um, naming maybe the kind of uh, accidental sounds that you're talking about concretely? What kind of concrete sounds um, you're referring to? And then I was wondering, because probably, so how did you choose them? Did you make, make how did you choose them? How do you make a selection? Um, and then maybe if I correct, uh, if I understood correctly, it's accidental uh, from your own perspective, but then me as an audience, audience member, I arrive in the gallery uh, and I'm prepared to be shifted by your soundscape. I was wondering, I was wondering um, if it's, also uh, a kind of accidental uh, listening then in that, in that setting. Yeah, thank you. Um, yes, for the, so how, so this kind of practically speaking, uh, this is, is very much based on the, um, on the city of Taipei and other Taiwanese cities, but mainly on urban, urban areas and um, so the sounds you, the accidental sounds you would hear are um, all man-made, uh, 
but often through technologies. So there could be car alarms, uh, sirens, um, pedestrian crossing, uh, beeps, um, radios, um, music speakers, or like uh, store advertisement, jingles, um, district um, communication for the citizens, um, smartphone ringtones, uh, all kind of, uh, basically all kind of everyday life sounds that you can hear in a public setting. So on a street or in parks or in um, just in everyday like city life um, that are somehow mediated through some kind of technology. So I did not really, I didn't want to record natural sounds on purpose and I did not want to focus on the human activities per se, but I wanted to try to, to capture all these uh, sounds that uh, as a listener or as an audio recorder or audio recordist, often people try to avoid or the sounds that people think they're disrupting the soundscape. So, um, because I noticed that when I, I did a lot of recordings before and um, I mean, I still do, but I noticed that whenever I, I try to capture a soundscape with this idea in mind of representing a place, there would always be the sounds that I would think, oh, that's, that shouldn't be here. That's not, uh, I should uh, cut this. I should delete this, or this is not fitting to the soundscape. And so I wanted to focus precisely on these sounds um, because I thought, why are they so disruptive? Why do we think they do not belong? Or why do we think they're kind of a sonic pollution? I mean, they're often called like this, especially in more ecological understanding of, of soundscape. So these are the sounds that I wanted to, um, to work with. And uh, of course I chose them. Um, uh, uh, there is still a, a strong uh, authorial perspective because uh, I, I did the work on my own and I, I was just uh, um, basically work, walking through the city um, for uh, this three months, uh, actually more than three months uh, that I collected these sounds. Um, and so I was walking through the city a day at night with a camera, a recorder, even my smartphone sometimes. And just uh, whenever I, whenever my attention was disrupted by some sound, I would try to, to capture it uh, with a short video and then audio. And um, this was pretty much a process. So um, as for when a visitor visits the exhibition, uh, would they experience the same um, kind of thing. Um, of course, it will not be the same because the, the way the work in, is constructed is actually, um, it does not represent any specific situation. It's uh, the two videos are often disconnected with very different sounds and uh, locations. And the audio component is also random, mixing all kinds of things. So the result is kind of a, um, a hallucination of a city that doesn't exist, that is a mixture of actually different cities in Taiwan and of districts and contexts. And uh, I think it's quite uh, representative in the sense that if you, if you did visit Taiwan and you saw this um, installation, you would feel like, oh, I, I know this place, although you don't know exactly uh, where it is. Um, but um, I think the audience will uh, definitely experience some sort of disruption or um, 
difficulty on focusing on things. Um, when I installed it the other time, it was precisely like this. Um, some audiences, some visitors were actually quite puzzled. Um, and I think it was even more emphasized because I installed it in Taipei. So people would so come into the gallery from the city and they were like, I just, I, I came from this, why, why is it uh, here again, right? Um, sometimes it was uh, exactly the same kind of, uh, uh, of sounds outside and inside the gallery. So it was probably even more uh, unsettling. So I imagine if it's installed somewhere else, like in, in Lisboa, then uh, probably there would be a little bit of, a, of an effect of uh, displacement or visiting something a bit exotic. But um, yeah, I think it translates um, that sort of uh, effect. But thanks for your question. We have a few questions. Um, we have Christelle, uh, we have Lorenzo. Um, that's all I can see at, at the moment. Um, and I'm trying to keep notes of things in case, uh, in case I get the opportunity to, but um, uh, I wasn't sure who went first. So um, in order of visual appearance, Christelle, please, what's your question for Gabriela? Hi. Hello. Uh, thank you for the presentation. It was really interesting. Uh, I have two questions, maybe one that is obvious, I don't know. But uh, would you agree that for you, that every sound could be disruptive? Or for you, there is some characteristic? And I have another... Uh, it's, it's more, uh, I was thinking if you... For me, it's more something that uh, you can take it and or trash it. <laughs> But for me, uh, if I would come, uh, if I would try to disrupt someone with sound, uh, I was thinking maybe putting the spectator in some ambience that is really um, some ambience and putting some disruptive sounds that is not from here and that they cannot understand where it comes from or have a nice precise idea. So I don't know, it's just because um, listening to your presentation, something this pop up, but you can do it, do whatever you want with it. Yeah, <laughs> thanks. Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, the first question I, I do, yeah, I agree. I think every sound can be disruptive, and actually, I think it really depends on the habit um, of the person. Sometimes I, I find that I can work much better and focus with music that other people would think it's very disruptive or for me it's very calming and the other way around. Sometimes um, people think that just silence is disruptive um, and they need some kind of uh, noise to anchor their attention. Um, so I think it's quite related to, to well, how you deal with attention. Um, but my, I think what I wanted to focus on this, this idea of sounds that are um, accidental uh, unwanted maybe or, or disruptive is because of the em emphasis that a lot of uh, field recording or sound art has on the audience <clears throat> being supposed to be attentive or the audience being supposed to be immersed uh, into this, this soundscape idea. So many times there is this idea, okay, I, I recorded something and I created this beautiful uh, soundscape now I give it to you and you listen to it for 40 minutes and just you know focus or find yourself in that environment which I think is amazing but it's also uh, a bit problematic for me sometimes uh, 
So I wanted to create something that was uh, kind of the opposite. Um, it was uh, that the visitors will find themselves in it and just not being sure how to approach it. And then, um, and as for the sec for your second question, actually that's what I want to achieve with this new version of the work, because I think that the text could work as a kind of um, task or anchor that the visitors can have. So if they're confronted with this uh, installation and they find the text, they probably, and they know that they can get a copy, they would probably get it and maybe sit there or just walk around and read it. But the whole work would challenge the reading because it's, uh, you know, there's two videos and audios all over the place and there's sudden, it's very, now it's, it's really hard to explain uh, without showing it in practice, but the work is, um, the videos are changing every 10 to 20 seconds on, on mm -hmm. both sides. And there's constantly sounds coming from different places that are unrelated to each other. And uh, um, so it's quite, um, it's not noisy per se, but it's very, your attention is constantly asked to, to look in different places or listen in different places. So um, I hope that I can achieve that effect maybe through the text. Okay. But thank you. And uh, I want to intervene if I may, yeah. just because I think that's quite central. And um, there was such an interesting question from Christelle that reminded me of. Um, so, so the, the central thing that I want to maybe think about with you, or have you maybe expand on a little bit, is what's wrong with the soundscape, right? And what's wrong yeah. with. Um, uh, so, there's lots of things I'd like to say in relation to that, but one of them is to do with some work I'm doing at the moment around the notion of the parasite and um, your critique of immersive or also interactive sorts of installation work reminded me of a work, a recent book called Gathering Ecologies, which which also kind of begins with a critique of the enforced immersive experience mm -hmm. or, or something. And um, in my own work, I've been thinking recently around Michel Serres' term, the parasite, in relation to it being a kind of a noise, right? Um, yeah want to go too far about that but it's about a condition of difference in a system right not just um you know it's not something that arises out of harmony or equilibrium it's disruptive yeah. it intervenes and i've been thinking about it in relation to translation um about our attention being taken away as we're listening to someone and there's you know uh, a bird song or a background noise or something that happens and it's it's the way that um it's possible to think with difference or think in different directions. So, but if we can wind back a little bit, um, can you tell me what it is about the soundscape that's really problematic for you and why that's worth critiquing in the first place, I suppose? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I have to look up that book because I haven't read it. So I'll, I'll send you it. would be great if you send it. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Open access. Yeah. To, in fact, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I, have a, I have a lot of problems with the soundscape. I, um, in general, I mean, I, I've always been very interested in it, of course, and I, um, part of all this work, uh, especially the research part was, was reading up on it. And, and, uh, uh, the more I read, the more, um, I realized in short that, um, at least in visual anthropology and in sociology as well, and in cultural studies, there has, there's, there's a whole body of work decades of work that have unsettled the idea of, for example, landscape or representation in, in visual media that is um, 
you know, the idea that a representation is includes everything or that a representation is um, uh, high five or high quality, high resolution, and that uh, you can represent something through visual media. Um, and I realized that in sound studies, um, a lot of this is missing or has been missing, um, not, not because of uh, any will, but I think just because the work hasn't been done entirely. I mean, there is a lot of uh, more and more critical writing around this, but I, I really struggled to find it. And um, so basically uh, we know that a landscape is a historically socially constructed idea of a representation. It's even connected to colonialism and um, in general, the pictorial representation of a place uh, as this kind of bounded uh, framed um, yeah, picture uh, is of course an entirely valid artistic strategy, but it's also problematic. And there's countless theories about landscapes and what, what they say about who makes them and stuff like that. But the soundscape, which is the exact equivalent of landscape in visual art, um, has rarely been criticized. And uh, it's actually still a foundational concept for a lot of sound art and, and field recording practice. I mean, everybody goes back to this book, you know, Soundscape, uh, The Tuning of the World uh, by Schaefer, uh, which is 40, 50, maybe even 60 years old, but it's still very relevant. And, and um, um, a lot of uh, thinking around sound keeps being made around this idea of soundscape, which I think is as problematic as landscape once you start to unpack it. So um, this is the short answer, I think. <laughs> no, that made sense. Thanks for that. Um, yeah, and we can come back to some of these other things. I just thought that was um, kind of grounding that in relation to what it, yeah, in relation to the logic of attention or immersive experience or whatever. But um, Lorenzo, Scusa, you had a, um, a question for Gabriela also. Please. Uh, well, yeah, I think that basically he already answered the two previous um, questions basically um, tackle the same issue I wanted to tackle here. And, and, the, and, the, and, the, and, the, and what I wanted to ask is basically how do you, uh, define something disruptive in terms of urban soundscape. I mean, um, I, 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 I perfectly understand it in terms of natural landscape, and then you suddenly uh, hear like a car honing. Okay, that's disruptive. But in terms of urban landscape, I mean, you, you made examples of things that are actually part of the, of the, of the, of the, of the urban landscape itself. So I was curious about how do you actually define in terms of disruptive or how do you actually define a, a, a disruptive sound in terms of, within uh, um, an urban landscape. But, but uh, I mean, the, the answer you just gave to Jen, I think it's, it's quite, quite interesting. And I think it's, it goes in that direction anyway. So thank you. Yeah, I also, I also uh, think that many of the sounds I use in this work are, um, are everything is part of the urban landscape, of course. Um, which includes natural sounds because Taipei is a, especially uh, very in a mountainous terrain near the sea and there's you know there's buildings and then there's a hill and birds and it's it's very it's a very diverse city sonically speaking but um, I think I was interested in sounds that people are often ignore automatically uh, and also rationalize as parts of the city but at the same time they would not remember them 
as parts of the city or, or um, um, when I showed the work, when I shown the work, a lot of visitors were like, oh, that's, I never thought about that sound uh, or I never realized that that thing, that small loudspeaker was the thing that was making that specific sound. So um, I think there are sounds that are so, you can hear them all over the city because they're very much used everywhere as like alarms or, or short advertisement or um, video games and stuff like that, that um, they are very much embedded in the context of the city. Uh, uh, but at the same time, they're kind of constantly there and constantly asking for people's attention um, to the point that they, they become internalized and you just assume that they're there, but you never see them extracted from that context, which is what this work uh, does. Yeah. Um, I, I can see that Maya was nodding and has a question. Um, yeah. I, and I, I think it's along the same lines. Um, I don't know, obviously. Um, if it isn't, we'll come back because I think it's really worth pushing this question of um, who's disrupted and, and how do you know that someone is or isn't comfortable with the noise or is or isn't in the background. But Maya, um, I'll let you <laughs> ask your question, please. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Gabrielle. It's, it's a lovely project, very interesting. Um, so um, my question um, is um, um, to, to which degree you were aware uh, of your position in that soundscape as a visitor, foreigner, local, do you speak local language? And do you think that you were disrupted by some of these so uh, sounds because you are not local and how that basically informs the work? Um, and secondary, it's just a wee comment, maybe it would be useful for others. Um, I'm also coming into uh, sound studies from kind of interdisciplinary background. And I think it's quite useful to think of soundscape in various ways. Uh, and that is uh, often blurred in the literature, but soundscape is our acoustic, actual acoustic environment that we can uh, experience in situ. Um, exhibitions, sound exhibitions offer that as well. Uh, but if you if you approach soundscape as, we, uh, as something that, that we experience in situ in actual place, then sounds of our walking through the gallery and things like that are also part of that soundscape. And then also there is constructed soundscape as a soundscape composition uh, that I think you maybe refer a bit more in uh, because it is very, it's shaped by a discourse that is a discourse of electroacoustic music and composition. And it is kind of appropriated by it. So speaking about disruptions within that constructed soundscape and how the places are represented uh, uh, is kind of part of the discussion within the discourse. And I think something that we really need to move uh, forward and challenge um, and also open up the discourse to other disciplines because it's not just electroacoustic composers. So I just uh, uh, wrote an article for Organized Sound on socio-political involvement of a listener in a place and, uh, and the colonial perspectives. So uh, just your comment on this, I, I hope that would help. So just if we could say, okay, this is actually something that we constructed. I recorded some sounds. I went to the studio, I constructed the soundscape and I want you to immerse yourself in it. Or if you're doing a sound walk and listening sounds of, of actual environment, the processes are a bit different. And um, 
I think even Marie Schaefer is kind of at some point in this book that you mentioned, um, uh, he is uh, describing his listening experience of Naples and cacophony of Naples and saying, I thought it's some, it's some unusual situation that it's war outside, there are protests outside, but actually it was a normal day in Naples. And, and then he makes quite a, quite strange, quite colonial kind of uh, analysis of that. Um, so yeah, sorry if this was too long. I don't know, but uh, yes. Great. Um, Yes, um, so as for the, well, I'll try to go in order. Um, as for my positionality, um, I, I just, I did this work as, as, uh, as part of my stay in Taiwan for four years. So this was my third, during my third year there. Um, so I don't think, I, I don't think that this, uh, this, this has very little to do with the linguistic sounds or, or, or even uh, traditional anthropologic fieldwork about um, performances and music. So um, I think uh, it, it really was kind of a, something that I imagine would be experienced quite similarly by anyone who lived in that place for a while uh, and got used to it, I would say. And for me, I have to say this, this, um, none of these sounds were disruptive. Uh, I actually enjoyed, uh, I enjoyed my, the sounds in Taipei very much. Uh, and it's not at all a noisy city, I think, even though it is increasingly represented like that. Um, most of the writing that is done about Taipei and sound and urban sound is actually about noise reduction and noise policy and anti-noise regulation, because that's, that's actually one of the most relevant things that are discussed there. It's, uh, it's too noisy, we need to regulate the noise because of uh, health. So um, this was a discussion that I, I was hearing uh, local sound scholars have. So, um, but, but actually, um, yes, my, my, my profound dislike for soundscape uh, as a theoretical concept, I think, response to all the varieties you you outlined and i think the the more technical term as the sound of a place is um, also problematic because uh, all the main, most basic problems of what is then what is a place who decides which place is it the city or the district or just uh, your own auditory horizon or where does it stop who, who creates this place who measures it and, um, and in the more uh, uh, ecological term of Schaefer and the Acoustic Ecology Group, um, while of course I, I appreciate their work, but I also think that uh, it was quite problematic for the reasons you, you outlined. It was kind of a hygienic, hygienistic um, approach to sound that also defined what is noisy, what is natural, what is uh, appropriate or what is disruptive. And, um, and as, for, as for the more compositional use of soundscape, um, I, this, this piece and many other pieces I've done are explicitly uh, built against the idea of composing um, in the sense that, uh, of course I choose the sounds and I record them and I, I decide which ones go in and which ones go out, but they 
they are very little, they, they have very little processing and I try to, to in, introduce randomness as much as possible so, so that there's very little compositional intention of putting people in a representation of something and more just this idea of um, letting people experience a kind of listening that I think is different from the one that is usually uh, proposed in this gallery setting. Um, I think this was over all the questions, the answers. Yes. Oh, and I think uh, for the, as for the local, uh, what was quite interesting is that uh, for visitors to the exhibition, there were Taiwanese or residents in Taipei, the two most common reactions were, uh, okay, this is just like outside, why do you need to put in a gallery? Um, of course, they, 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 they were also very respectful, but, um, and the other uh, response was, uh, I like it, I'm used to it. Um, so from people who were more on the side of uh, enjoying this kind of uh, being challenged by, by uh, sounds of the city. And I think I, maybe I, I, um, I shouldn't have emphasized so much the idea of disruption because I think it's not actually that central. Um, what, what, is, what interests me more than disruption actually is just this idea of accident, accidentality of things that happen um, and that people often don't notice precisely because they happen uh, occasionally or randomly, or they're not relevant for them. Um, so this, why I called it accidental listening uh, and accidental sounds is because they, they, they are a bit like, uh, they're a bit like car accidents or accidents that happen around you. And you, of course you hear them and maybe you're a little bit, your attention is taken for just a short moment. And then you decide they're not relevant for you and you just ignore them. Uh, and you still know they exist, but maybe you don't even know where they come from. So I think accidental is, is maybe more productive than disruptive because then I, I don't want to say that this sounds are necessarily disruptive of people's attention or whether they're bad or, or good. Um, Thank you yes. very much. Yeah. I hope but I, I can, yeah, it's, uh, I have a comment. There is only a few minutes left and I know that Jen is also burning to ask. Sure, there's a to comment in question. the chat from oh, yeah. oh, let's I wanted to highlight that. Just I didn't look at the chat at all. Yeah, I have a comment myself. Yeah. So we're going to send you the, the, the comments of the chat. Um, I, I actually, I like this idea of disruption as well. And when I was thinking accidental listening, also I was thinking of, oh, this is what you listen by accident. And also this idea of, oh, you're listening to a conversation or something you're not supposed to listen to, which yeah, is also yeah. a different way to, to listen to things. But the idea of disruption, I... I also associated it to um, a story I read as a boy. I don't remember exactly if it, I think it's Asimov in a short story of Asimov. It's a beautiful story in which there is a, it opens with a, there is a political dissidence in it's a kind of a dystopia. And this political dissident is assigned at home is, is not in a prison, but he's in a kind of sonic prison because he has these headphones on the, on, the, on the ears and the headphones play completely random sound very loud 
different sound every moment. And this is against the backdrop of there is an investigator in the story, and there is also this beautiful scene where this person is is uh, is thinking. He goes in the bath and he, he opens the tap just a little bit to have just a little bit of dropping going on, and he's explaining how this sound uh, immerses him inside of this thoughts process. And there is this huge discrepancy of um, attention, and you can see that one is super is is um, kind of poor in, in this world of attention and the other one is very rich as this wealth of, of space to think and uh, and I think there there is something and there is something that I relate also to to atmospheres I didn't write on soundscapes specifically but I wrote on atmospheres and um, and when you write of an atmospheres you you also come very quickly to the concept of, of landscape because it's kind of things that are related and i don't know if you know the, the text of zimmel on landscape but there is this idea that the landscape is the personality of a, of a, of a land or something like it is like a like a face and you see a face or you see a, a landscape you recognize some kind of a, a presence there out out there and i believe that the soundscape is related soundscape is related to this idea um, very much by this idea of, of the of the atmosphere, you're immersed in a situation and you feel something. But the very specific thing about atmosphere is that no two person, or oh well, yeah, some people will feel the same atmosphere. But an atmosphere is telling you a lot about what you are, who you who you are, and and it and you can really put it inside of this other theoretical uh, framework, which is very popular at the moment of the multi perspectivism. And and you feel like in the very classical example of the American of the Amazonist and yeah, um, where like the the, the blood of of uh, of the of the wild boar uh, is seen as beer by the jaguar yeah. and you like oh this for me it would be a disgusting atmosphere to see like lots of blood but for the jaguar it's like oh it's a party you know and it, this is a very different atmosphere. And it's very strong, it's very concrete, it's, it's there. And you can, of course, uh, multiply this. And so for me, when you translate this to the question of, of soundscape, you have this kind of same idea of very different ecologies, the plurality of atmospheres inside of the same space and different perspectives. And especially with these ideas of these sounds that you want to, that maybe you don't want to hear, but there is this, there is this idea of, um, of, of, of things that um, disrupt your sound but doesn't disrupt other people and uh, especially when there is so much going on in this atmosphere like of, of skills to distract us to uh, attract our attention to nudge us into something or something else and i believe that this is the richness of what you're trying to capture here we don't we are not from taiwan but you uh -huh. kind of capture how you because you are composing it for yourself as well you're you cannot say oh it's like what anyone would listen to or what anyone would recompose from this soundscape you were there and you had an impact in which you were not speaking and you were maybe you know it's like there is this kind of impact that you so I, I believe that these things could maybe enter also in in the text maybe I don't know we can also feed conversations with that with yeah, yeah. Um, the notion of ecology of attention for example Yves Citon which I believe you know from your other works on visual uh, environments as well. And um, yeah, putting maybe a little bit of Zimal again and the Blasé and the Metropolitan, you know, there is this, there is this also this, this, these tunes that are in there. And I, I believe that you must know them because of, of this chapter that you've written. But um, yeah. Well, if you, if, you, if you can find out that science fiction uh, story. Yeah. I will look for it. It's uh, yeah. yeah. 
And uh, I have to say one of the driving, I haven't written about this, but one of the driving ideas to move beyond the soundscape was actually web, the idea of weather. Um, so it's kind of close to atmosphere. Uh, uh, it's mostly, it was mostly, I was reading Tim Engelt was written about precisely against, he, I think he wrote an article called against the soundscape or something like that, where he was, he was arguing that weather is perhaps more productive uh, to think as something that not a landscape, but it moves through or over it and it brings things. So yeah. there is uh, there is that. There's some really interesting um, recent writing in feminist, uh, not really theory, it's sort of somewhere between art and philosophy, Astrid Nemesis, who writes about weathering in relation to other practices of moving through and, and attending to sound. Um, Gabriela, I just can't get away from the idea of if if what we want if you what you intend to do is to kind of attend to this question of the accidental like what's happening outside of the normal flow of things how much the exotification of a taiwanese landscape will will be for people um in in, in a city like lisbon i was actually wondering we don't really have a huge amount of time here but but we can think forward in our group um because of course carolina hoffs and others did a project um about narratives and stories of people moving through the city of Lisbon in a particular way. And I was thinking about what techniques might be possible um, in a workshop if we ever get to Lisbon in September, um, how it might be interesting to try to combine those, those things. Because it, I'm really, it's making me think about, for example, you used the word hygiene earlier. And I'm thinking about sound in relation to that, like, if you're a visitor, which is the point um, that, that Maya brought up, if you're a visitor to a city, like when I went to Japan quite soon after um, the, the triple disaster and accidents, the, the number of alarms had increased. Um, uh, there is also an awful lot of policing and politics that happens through the loudspeaker, quite similar to, to, to Taipei in some ways, but, but in a slightly different manner. And as somebody who isn't from there, that was very much a disruptive and slightly yeah. <laughs> angst-inducing. And that was one of the first elements of my own uh, research where I started making recordings. Um, but I'm thinking about um, migrants' experiences in different European cities where they're policed away from tourist areas, um, the sounds of living and life in different sorts of, um, which, which of course, as a parasite, troubling the boundaries of our experience as we move through places. Um, sound is one really interesting um, way that our attention is drawn to things that we're not asked to look at, or we um, some people don't want us to see um, so I just think as an activity, as well as an installation, it might be really interesting to, to work with, um, with, with you on that idea or how we bring that into the event, so to speak, um, because I'm, I'm not concerned because I think it's super interesting, but I always think that it's possible for the sheer distance and difference of a landscape, a visual oral landscape of Southeast Asia brought into Europe tends to bring that that quality of exotification. And I think that can be really, that can be. Yeah, problematic. yeah, yeah. And I, I definitely wanted to avoid that at all costs. That's why I never yeah. framed this work as, you know, the soundscape of Taipei or, or the Taiwan is listening or, or whatever. But it's but it's such a productive and interesting thing to think of. I think it's really yeah. important to attend to. And, and you also, we don't have time, but we, you also mentioned the ways in which it's possible to move between smartphone technologies and, and kind of high quality soundings and ways in which we can experiment with all of that. Um, um, it'd be really super interesting. Um, uh, we should really, we should finish up unless anybody has anything that is, they're feeling uh, really um, 
keen and eager to to add um we have some uh, discussions in the chat around the references so we can certainly um share that and make this a podcast um yeah if there are um there probably are questions that i didn't answer and there's uh, someone who wants the references I, i'm happy to to answer them in an email later yeah. if if you want yeah i mean i think they can inform what this uh what what is possible when we've come together collectively as well online and offline but it's super interesting um and uh i i quite like the short uh sessions because it feels like we're leaving but there's more to say intense intense think about yeah um so unless carolina or anybody else did want to respond back again or have a a, a, a last quick comment we'll leave it there just for the few seconds that we need to do that then we can uh then let's uh leave it there i think thank you all so much for participating yeah thank you thank you everyone for the questions oh, great yeah, yeah thank you so much for being with us um, and um, yeah we can also announce for next week uh jen because we're going to have a uh, philippa we are supposed oh, to have already she said she would uh, she would do it anyway so we're going to have a slightly different format um because um philippa doesn't have so much time to prepare or she maybe thinks she has to prepare something in particular so we're going to have it more informal and we have uh within the network we have a number of very interesting people working on drawing and actually one of them has joined, Aina, the call. Has joined uh, us today and yeah. um so we're going to speak about uh, her work uh, what she's proposing there for this uh, as, as a contribution but we're going to expand on uh, on on drawing and autoethnography yes drawing in relation to autoethnography and what's possible to do with a field book you know which is of course a format that we're all probably working with in in different ways um, and is quite central to the notion of field work for many so yeah really really grateful Ina is listening um at the moment I'm not sure if she's how actively she's able to listen right now um but thank you Ina oh there you are hi oh, hi hey good to see you good to meet you hello so obrigada Ina for <laughs> joining us okay see you next week Oh, that's good news. Excellent. <laughs> so we'll see you next week at the same time if you want to talk about books. And um, one of the interesting questions is how do we do sound or the, the experience and thinking with sound in a book? That's a really interesting question. Anyway, <laughs> through drawing. Uh, great. Thanks all. I'm going to stay on and talk to Maxime for a bit. But, um, oh, yeah. All right. Yeah. I like it. Good. <laughs> if you want to stay around, we... We don't have anything against it. Thank no, you very no, much no, for joining no, all of you. Yeah, and see you next week. Thank you, everyone. Bye-bye. Ciao. Thank you, Gabriele. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Thank you. That's, thank uh, you, Gabriele. That was wonderful. Yeah. Very nice format. <laughs> I like it, too. It would be also yeah. nice to hear more about your actual, your current work, actually. Yeah. It's very, very nice. Um, yeah, I missed, uh, I missed the one uh, last week, so ah, yeah. I didn't know what to expect. And not last week, but last month. Yeah, yeah. yeah um we have recorded it um but we haven't done anything with it yet can you stop recording max so that yeah, I can... of course uh... i thought so if ina's still here